Good morning. We awake? We good to go? Uh, I just want to let you know, just in case these lights decide to uh, to do whatever they're going to do, I'm still going to preach through it. Um, just want to, I do want to apologize. We've been kind of battling specifically these lights right here, and then somehow there's a chain effect or a chain reaction that goes across the lights. So if we go to like disco, that was not intended. We have absolutely no control over it, just so you know. Um, but we do have other lights on order, and hopefully this week we'll have new lights installed. So it won't be much of an issue as long as um, we don't make it such. So uh, we're actually in the final message of this series called the Ultimate Family Championship. And this whole, uh, this whole series has been about winning at home. And what I've said all along is we have to fight to win, and everybody wins when love is worth fighting for. So we have to fight to win, and we've talked about this topically, different things. And I have to tell you, today is the testing point of everything else that we have talked about so far. So it doesn't matter if you are single, if you're married, you have a couple kids, or you have a whole flock of kids, whatever it is that you have, wherever you are in life, this message is for you. And this is the very testing point of every other message that um, has been in this series. And I've been really challenged with this specific message because I ran across some statistics that I want to share with you. And these are some statistics. So if you want to know why this message in particular, before we even get there, why is it that we're covering these things? I I believe that you're going to be overwhelmed by these statistics like I was. The average cell phone is swiped 2,617 times a day. The average. So the average cell phone, the busyness of life, and we're always, we're always like losing our mind, and we're always, our mind's always doing something, and we're always engaged in this and engaged in that, and, and we're always going to our phone, and what's going on, and I've got to get this, and what's Facebook saying, and who's saying this, and how many likes do I have on my, my Instagram, and you know, I have Snapchat, oh, I got a funny Snapchat, and I got to go to my Snapchat, and I've got to do this, and well, I got to go in here, I got I to swipe to check my, my email, and it's at the end of work, but I got to check my email just in case, oh, that was just the funniest text I've ever seen. I've got to send this emoji, emoji, emoji. You know, you got to do all these things. And like that is kind of the life we live in. And then when I ran across this statistic, 2,617 swipes a day of the average, the high number was above 5,000 swipes on a cell phone a day. 2,000. That's a lot of people who are busy. That's a lot of people who cannot, that they can't, unload their mind that their mind is active in doing something i I ran across this statistic one in ten americans takes an antidepressant one in ten so just numerically one in ten americans takes an antidepressant and between the years 1988 and 2008 The antidepressant usage has grown over 400% in 20 years, has grown over 400%. People haven't changed. What has changed? The increase in prescription drug usage also, just, just prescription drugs, not even necessarily for mental disorders or those types of things, but the percentage of, of prescription drug usage. It says that nearly 60% of Americans are on prescription drugs right now. 60% of Americans. To me, that was staggering. And yet, even with that, 
nearly three, that means nearly three in five Americans are on some sort of prescription drug. And the studies that I just mentioned to you show no difference in income level. So it doesn't matter if you're a high-level CEO or if you are unemployed and looking for a job or you're somewhere in between. It doesn't matter. Those numbers speak across the board of all income levels. And the problem, I, 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 one of the things that really stood out to me on the, the fact that the antidepressant usage has increased in that 20, from 1988 to 2008, it has increased 400%. One of the things that was there is only it's less than a third of those people are actually seeing a mental health professional. Think about that. So less than a third of all of, the, of, of that increase, less than a third of them is actually seeing a mental health professional. So what that leads me to believe is we're incredibly overstressed. We're in, incredibly, we're, we're depressed and we're feeling lonely as a people. Well, what that tells me is that we, when I look at the swipes, over 2,000, just the average, right around 2,500 swipes a day is the average cell phone usage. And the max is over 5,000. When I, I look at all of those numbers, I say we are people who cannot unload our mind. We are people who cannot stop. We are people who go to work and we come home and there's no rest. There's no anything. It's just go, go, go. And our minds are just moving, 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 thinking, thinking, thinking. And then we're taking prescription drugs per capita. We're taking prescription drugs to deal with the effects that we're actually potentially bringing ourselves. And yet, this is, this is not God's best for us. This is not God's best for us. As a matter of fact, God has prescribed in His Word a way to help us in this situation. Even with all of that. So let me just ask you this question. Do you ever feel continually tired, stressed out, anxious, depressed, overly busy, have a lower immune system, you're angry, tense, confused, or simply feeling empty. If, if you do feel that way, or if you have ever felt that way, please raise your hand. If you've ever felt any one of those emotions, that's all of us. That's all of us. See, humans, we're not machines. Uh, there's there's a created order and a rhythm to our life that God wants us to live out. We're not machines. We will break down. Although we're, we're intricately designed and just beautifully designed. And God has just, I mean, each one of us, it doesn't matter what your face looks like. I mean, you are a masterpiece of God's design. And yet we have to take care of the things that God has given us. We have to take care of our bodies. And one of the reasons why I think we're challenged with this with this topic that we're going to get to today. One of the reasons why we're challenged with, with this is because churches don't talk about it, because people are misunderstood about it, and some people do understand it, but they simply just don't do it. And the topic that we're going to get to today, we're going to find in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. I'm not going to tell you what the topic is yet. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 24. And some things that are peculiar to uh, this gospel specifically, Mark is someone who, 
who basically wrote this gospel from firsthand experience of Peter. So Peter's firsthand experience, and then Mark talked to Peter, and then Peter like said, hey, all of these things happened. This is the order that it happened. Check it out. This is exactly what did happen. So then Mark wrote this gospel down, and this is actually one of the earliest gospels written. And something that's, that's, I think, really interesting about this gospel particularly, this shows not just all of Jesus' teaching, this highlights Jesus' life. So it's not just what Jesus taught, it's what Jesus did. So maybe for you, you haven't been in your Bible in a while, maybe you're just, you are in between uh, Bible studies or you're in between devotions and you're like, what should I look at, you know, those kinds of things, and I'm like, ah, I just need a little direction, maybe you want to jump into the Gospel of Mark, it is, it's incredible, it's actually the shortest gospel, so maybe that'll encourage you, but that's the shortest gospel, and it is something that is uh, unique than all of the other gospels. And before we get into this particular passage, starting in verse 24, let me just ask you a question. And I'm going to ask you a question, but I want you to tell two or three people around you the answer to this question. And this is the question. What is your favorite snack? What is your favorite snack? I'm going to give you just a couple minutes. What's your favorite snack? I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. So I want you to get up. Everybody get up. Up, up, up. It's going to be weird for a minute, and that's fine couple minutes, I want you to tell two or three people around you what your favorite snack is. All right, got it. Got it. You just met someone, and now you have something to hold over their head. That's awesome. I just did that for you. Well, this message that Jesus gives, and he's just kind of living his life, and he's just going about his day, this, this whole text is brought about because Jesus gets a snack. Jesus and his disciples are walking along the road, and they just, they just get a snack. And then it just creates this big issue with the Pharisees. Let's see um, what the Word of God says. One Sabbath, ooh, one Sabbath. That's going to be important in a minute. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and he and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. That was the snack. The Pharisee said to him, look, why, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? I, I'm, not, I, I'm not necessarily a, a political person, but you're going to see in just a minute that this is a redistribution of wealth. That's what this is right here. Just so you're, we're going to get to that in a minute. You're going to see this. It's not the point, but, but you're going to see this. He answered in verse 25, Jesus did. Have, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? And the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. So, so Jesus says, he draws to an example of David. Now, the Pharisees would get this. The Pharisees would, would look at this. They would know this story. They would know this story in and out. And, and what Jesus is saying, 
David went into the temple and he ate that bread that was supposed to be set apart for some religious activity. He says this, this food was set apart, but David and, and, his, and the fellows, they were hungry, and they went into the temple and they ate this bread. And he says, Pharisees, why do you not have an issue with what David did, but now you're having an issue with what I'm doing? He says, so, so why is it that now it's like a big deal? We walk along the road. I, I grabbed just a little bit of grain to eat, which I can do. And you're going to see this in a minute. Like I can do, and that's fine. That's not stealing. I can do that. But yet you have no issue with David. And, and they would revere King David. I mean, David, King David, they would come from, from you know, the, the line of King David. They were Jewish people. So, I mean, they would look at David like, wow, David is like way up here. And it's like, well, we didn't challenge. We're not, you're not challenging that. Why are you challenging me? But I love the fact that Jesus is Jesus. He knows not just the words that are said. He knows the heart behind the words that are said. And look what happens in verse 27. He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. We'll get back to that. Another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger. This is righteous anger. He's not mad. He's not ready to to punch someone. He's just, it's in righteous anger. This is Jesus' anger. Anger simply an emotion is what you do with it. It can be sin or not sin. He's not sinning here. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and they began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. This is just another example of, of a bunch of examples of when the Pharisees, they looked upon Jesus and the Pharisees had created rule upon rule upon rule about God's laws from the Old Testament. And the Pharisees, they had just, whatever, it, whatever the law was, whatever it is that the people were supposed to do, the Pharisees would interpret that in certain ways and they would create layers of more man-made laws. And they did this to such detriment that after a while that the intent that God had would be blurred because all of the layers of false interpretation over it. Do y'all get that? So the Pharisees, they would look at that and they would say they would study things for hours. As a matter of fact, some some rabbis would literally study for days, like just what people could do on the Sabbath, what somebody could pick up just to pick up on the Sabbath, just to make sure that they got everything right. And what Jesus says right in the middle of this text, and that's the whole point of of this message. What Jesus says right in the middle of this text, he says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. So the Sabbath. Sabbath goes obviously back to the Old Testament. The word Sabbath is the Greek word sabbaton. It means... These things, you may want to write these down. These are going to be incredibly helpful for the rest of this talk. The word, that Greek word means these things. We're going to come back to this just time and time again. It means to stop. It means to cease. It means to be complete. And sometimes it means to celebrate. So it means to stop. 
It means to cease, to be complete, and then a time to celebrate is often, or sometimes it's actually interpreted to mean that. So the word Sabbath, it, is, it draws us to these things. And already, if you've been in church, you, you may have some idea what Sabbath is, or maybe for you, you've never heard Sabbath. And you're like, this is brand new. I've heard the word. I don't know what the word means. Now I know what the word means. What does that mean to me? That's why we're here. So when Jesus talks about the Sabbath and, and the issue that the Pharisees were having with him, Jesus is drawing out something that is so incredible for all of us to understand. For one, he was not sinning. I do want you to know this. That when he would walk along the road, it was absolutely okay for them to just pick up. Uh, the, just It was part of their culture. It was just a, a way of re, the redistribution of wealth to take care of, of anyone. Honestly, if somebody was poor, they could walk along the outskirts of the field. It didn't, didn't matter whose field it was. They could just walk along the road and they could just peel off some of the heads of grain, uh, the heads of grain and they could eat them. It was a way of just taking care of everyone. It was just a way of convenience. They'd walk along the road and as it would be on the outskirts, instead of having to carry food, they couldn't preserve food. So God way, made a way for them to be able to eat along their journey. God's provision. And they were... Uh, doing this in accordance to Deuteronomy 23, 25. And this is what it said, part of uh, the Old Testament law code. It says, if you enter your neighbor's grain field, you, mu- you may pick kernels with your hands, but you must not put a sickle to the standing grain. So it says, you can use your hand, just don't use a John Deere, basically. It's like, you can use your hand, that's fine. Just don't go tilling up someone else's soil. Don't go cutting the heads off uh, of their grain. Just take what you need and just keep moving so sabbath it was not only for the jews sabbath was was something that was installed before the jewish people were the jewish people the sabbath was was a rhythm of creation six days of work the seventh day god did what he rested so six days of work so there's a rhythm there's a rhythm work 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 rest work for six days rest work for six days rest so there's rest and rhythm to the sabbath and yet we live in america and and we're we are so bought into the idea that we have to have more stuff we have to work for more stuff we have to look at our neighbor's stuff and we have to have stuff that is comparable if not just a little bit more than our neighbor's stuff so if they got a new mower we got to get a better mower if they just got a, a, a new craftsman we, we've got to get a zero turn whatever the case may be they just got they just got a truck well i've got to get a, a, a i got to get a truck with the better package w- whatever their house is oh they're getting their kitchen redone well i got to get my kitchen redone too but i'm going to put in granite it's that's part of the the american dream and it is becoming a nightmare because i believe those are adding to the idea and the reality and these statistics and i'm not saying that you are anywhere in those statistics but by pure statistics you probably are somebody is that they're either taking medication that's not being prescribed you're not actually seeing a mental health professional you're taking medicine as a band-aid for a deeper issue or you you are um, you're on an antidepressant b- because you feel lonely. And, and you feel lonely, so you take the antidepressant, and the antidepressant drives you deeper into your loneliness and farther away from people, which would help could draw you out of your depression. 
I also understand that some of you may be on um, those medicines that were prescribed by a mental health professional. I'm not necessarily talking about those. There are clinical reasons for those. But if we're honest, we also know that there's an epidemic where people are just taking pills and they're being prescribed pills by doctors who find it easier to prescribe a pill than actually direct them to the deeper heart issue of care. So, the idea of rest and rhythm. Rest, just like work, we talked about a couple weeks ago. Rest, just like work, can be done to the glory of God. Rest, just like work, can be done to the glory of God. It's so much easier for us to understand if we're honest, if we're just sitting having coffee, I think you would totally agree with me on this. It's easier to sit back and say, not to necessarily do, but to understand that when I go to work, I should work to the glory of God. But have you ever thought about maybe you need to rest to the glory of God? Maybe the idea, uh, maybe the reason why you're so stressed out, maybe the reason why you're lonely, maybe the reason why your life is just fraying and coming apart is because you haven't stopped. You haven't ceased. You haven't allowed God to complete you. And you, you don't have a margin in your life to celebrate the goodness of God because you're too busy doing. Have you ever thought about that? Y- you can rest to the glory of God. As God has in, in, just instilled the six days of work and at, at the point of creation on the seventh day, is just a day for us to just ah, take a deep breath and rest. The last one is a rhythm, uh, out of rest and rhythm. So it, the second one, rather. Um, this, taken right from Exodus 20, verse 9 through 20, or 9 through 10. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, um, is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. But also look what else it says in the next verse, in verse 11 of Exodus 20. It says, For in six days the Lord your God made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He didn't make it holy for himself. He made it holy for us. He set it apart not just for himself. He didn't need to rest. He's God. He did that for us. He set a pattern that we should live our life by. He says, you work and you work and you work, and there's, there's the rhythm of that, and he says, and the rest, the Sabbath, the sabbaton, the stopping, the ceasing, the celebrating, the being complete in Jesus, he says, that's for you. That's not just for God, because what did Jesus say right in the middle of our passage in verse 27? The Sabbath was made for what? Man. Not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. So the Sabbath wasn't just another rule and saying, okay, here's another hoop you need to jump over. Here's another rule you need to follow. Here's another, if you don't do this, this is what you're going to get back. If you don't do this, this is going to be the consequence. If you do this, you're, you're going to be sinning. He says, no, 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 Jesus, he says, it's not even a matter of that right now. He says, you have to understand the point of Sabbath is not because God needs it. It's because God is providing it. He's providing it. A way of resting and a rhythm for us to fall into. Certainly God is more concerned about your needs than your traditions. God is more concerned about your needs than your traditions. That's what, that's what Jesus is telling the Pharisees. 
He says, I, I'm so concerned about your need, not the traditions, not the layers of tradition that all of the Pharisees have put over you. He says, I'm not concerned about them. I'm concerned about you as individuals. I'm concerned about you and 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 everyone else. I'm concerned about you, God says, not just your traditions. I'm not just concerned about how you just layer up all your activities for your kids. He says, not a concern. He says, but I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about the fact that you can't say no. I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about the fact that you can't tell your boss no and that you work overtime not needing overtime. I'm concerned about the fact that you just tell your boss, you cannot tell your boss no, and all of that overtime is supposed to be a way of padding the things that you have. God says, I'm not concerned about your traditions. I'm not just concerned about all of the things that you want. I'm not concerned about all of the things that your family has imposed upon you that you have to go and have all these family meals and you have to do all these things. He says, he says I'm not concerned about those. What I'm concerned about is you. You. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of God is Lord even of the Sabbath. And one of the things I find really interesting, and I had this misunderstanding for years, and some of you maybe have as well. As soon as you think Sabbath, you may think Old Testament, Old Testament law, that has, doesn't have to do with me anymore. And you could even give a verse to try and give an explanation for that. And the verse you would use is found in Hebrews 9, 9 through 11. You don't have to flip to it. It should be on the screen. And it'll also give you a diversion away from the laser light show. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest and also rest from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the example of disobedience. Oftentimes, people misapply and misunderstand this text to say, Jesus is my Sabbath rest, because that's the context, that Jesus is my Sabbath rest. I don't have to regard the Old Testament Sabbath anymore because Jesus is my Sabbath rest. And now the tendency is, and, and if you're not a Christian and you've been gone from church for a long time, this you probably not even fit in this category, but those of us who are Christians, you probably believe wrongly on this. And you say, well, Jesus is my rest. I don't have to take any time off because he's my rest at all times. And you could give me all kinds of verses to try and back up that point. But my challenge is, this passage right here is not talking about rest in the same way that I talked about a minute ago. This is talking about the rest from trying to earn your salvation. That's what this is talking about. If you look at the greater passage, and I couldn't put it all on the screen. If you look at the greater passage, look it up yourself. This is about just the, the desire and the inkling, and you just got to try and earn your salvation, understanding that we don't have to work for our salvation, that Jesus, we can rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and the blood that was shed on our behalf. And because of that, we can stop and we can cease from trying to earn our salvation. We can be complete in Jesus, and we can be in celebration for the finished work that he's offered up for us. So, just to help also illustrate this point, some people think that, uh, you know, with the Sabbath, and maybe you're still not convinced about the Sabbath, and no, it's Old Testament. Let me just run down this list really quick, and these are taken from Exodus 20. This will be very familiar to you. It's called the Ten Commandments. Let me just run through the Ten Commandments, and what you're going to find is the rest of the commandments you totally buy into and you believe. 
Now listen, here's the first one, commandment number one. God is the highest authority, right? Everybody who's a Christian doesn't necessarily do this perfectly. We need the grace of God, but that's the truth of God. He is the highest authority. Christians would nod their head and say, yeah, I believe that. That's true. We, we would also say from the second commandment that idol making is a sin. Probably all agree on that. Commandment number three, that using God's name in vain is a sin. Commandment number three. Commandment number five says we ought to honor our father and mother. Now, in middle Georgia, we don't say father and mother. We say diddy and mama. I don't know why, but that's just what we do here. But we know that that is still to be true. Commandment number six, it says that murder is morally wrong and we shouldn't do it. Right? All in favor of, of in agreement of that, say amen. Awesome. There was two who didn't. I'm concerned. All right. Now, commandment number seven is that adultery is still a sin, right? Adultery is still a sin. Still is. Um, stealing is still wrong. Commandment number eight. Commandment number nine is treating our, our neighbor respectively. And uh, number ten is coveting. That we shouldn't covet. We shouldn't want our neighbor's wife. And we also shouldn't want our neighbor's stuff. Those are not the same thing, but we shouldn't want either one of them, right? That's commandment number 10. But one I conveniently missed in the middle, and we would all agree, if you're a Christian, you would agree, okay, I, I think that there's some part of me that is in agreement with that. But yet, why is it that we would be in agreement with the, those nine, but we would not be in agreement with the last one, which would be commandment number four? And this is what it says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your ma- manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor uh, the alien within your gates, the strangers within your gates, as it would be translated. For in six days the Lord has made the heavens and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore... The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. But it doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility to maintain the rest and the rhythm of a walk with God. Maybe this explains the reason why that in your life you, you don't have any other margin for any other relationships. Maybe this explains why we as a people are incredibly over-medicated. Maybe this explains us as a people why, why, why we feel so lonely a lot. Maybe this is the reason why we just, we lack contentedness in our life. Maybe it's because we need to settle into this idea and maybe just look into it with fresh eyes. Um, what, what is Sabbath? What should I do about it? And uh, in just being in understanding that God has made it for us, not for himself. So, let me just ask you a couple questions. Is it a sin to chew glass? Right? Is it a, group, this is group participation time. Is it a sin to chew glass? No, it's just stupid, right? I mean, really? Is it a sin to walk on hot coals? No, it's just dumb. You're going to burn you. You're going to burn yourself. It's not a sin to do those things, right? Is it a sin to skydive with a bed sheet? Is, is it a sin? Just a bad idea. I mean, it's, it's going to end badly for you, but it's not a sin. So let me ask you this. Is it a sin for you to not take a full day and rest? Carefully, I answer. No. It's not a sin. 
It's not for you to take a full day. But it is a sin for you not to take and set out time to rest. See, that's what the Pharisees did. The layer upon layer upon layer, they're saying, oh, well, when is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is from this time to this time, and it's got to be from this time, and you don't do anything, and you, you don't eat. You, don't, you, you have to be careful what you pick up. You don't walk down the road. You don't do anything. And they wanted to create all of these rules around Sabbath. And I think that, the, that God's intent for Sabbath was much, much more flexible than the rigid um, approach that the Pharisees were taking. So let me give you just a, a couple things just to walk away with um, out of this. There are going to be four taken right from um, what Sabbath means. The first one is to stop or cease from working in the home and at work. Sabbath, you Sabbath by stopping or ceasing from working in the home or at work. That means not just, oh, I have a day off and now I get to go cut the grass all day and now I get to go run around all day and now I'm going to go run around, do errands all day and I'm going to go do this all day. You Sabbath by stopping or ceasing from working in the home and at work. You do that because it just, it, it just steadies your mind. It focuses your mind. It allows you, the, the motor within you, to just slow down. Not even to go into an idol, but to just turn it off. So you Sabbath by stopping or ceasing from working in the home, which means you need to say no to some extra kids' activities, which means if there's a kids' activity that is on the time that you decide to Sabbath, you may have to say no to that. And if, if there's a time that your boss is demanding that you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, and you say, no, 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 not me. I, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you everything I have on the other days, but I have set this, part, this, set, this time apart for my time with God so I can stop and cease, I can celebrate the work of God, and I can live in contentedness. I'm not going to pursue more things. I'm not going to buy more things. I, I'm just not, not going to do that. I'm going to guard that time. It may mean that you need to say no to some people who even don't want you to say no. Second thing is this. You rest in Jesus for a period of time. For a period of time. I think the longer is the better. But you rest just for a period of time. And in, in these, and by rest I mean this, a time where God has your attention. Where you turn the TV off. You turn your phone off. You, you don't just put it somewhere else. You turn it off. You turn your computer off. You're, you're not going to be, it, it doesn't put you in a situation where you're consumed with, with looking and trying to measure up to someone else. You're not consumed with what this person's text is or this, this thing on, on Facebook and all of the ads and the barrage of things. You're not concerned about, about how funny that picture is on Instagram or how, how great that story was on Snapchat. Like you, you're just, you're done. You're not doing that. So you're just resting in Jesus for a period of time and you're powering those things down. You're powering them down. Phones off, computers off, tablets are off, TV's off. And when you do that, you, you give yourself just the opportunity to turn your eyes to God. Um, third one is this, just find your rhythm in Christ. You find your rhythm in Christ. You, you do this, all of these things, I think, at the same time. You find your rhythm in Christ by, by listening, reading, and praying. Very practical. Maybe, maybe for you, you... You're feeling lonely and you just, 
you feel like you're the only one who's there. You don't have anyone who listens. Maybe if you were just to set apart a time where you just stop and cease and you just allow yourself um, to Sabbath and finding your rhythm is just finding a time for community. I'm saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going I'm to set this time apart. I'm not going to be worrying about buying and selling and doing and chasing and doing chores. I'm just going to spend this amount of time. I'm going to invite somebody over and we're going to have a cookout. We're going to have a bonfire, and we're just going to sit and just chill around the fire and just, just to rest and just to be content in Jesus, finding your rhythm. Maybe for you it's going for a walk or a hike, if you're weird like me, or a run, um, something like that. It's, it's through simplicity, not schedule-making. It's just through simplicity, not schedule-making. Um, the last one is this, is just celebrating contentment in Jesus. It's just enjoying what you have instead of thinking you need to acquire more. It's just enjoying what you have instead of, <laughs> instead of being put in a situation to where you, you have to acquire more. And, and when you do these things and you just celebrate the contentedness in Christ, it allows you margin to have this time with family and friends, quality time. Not sitting at the dinner table time where everybody's got their phone or tablet and you're, you're, just, you're not actually having a conversation. This, you put all that stuff away and you actually, you can give your kids uh, the attention and they can give you um, their attention. Maybe you have a meal and, and you just, maybe for you, um, you just kind of create these opportunities as a family to where you just, you're celebrating contentedness in Jesus. Maybe for you, it's a time where in good weather, you just go outside and you just look up at the stars. To be honest with you, um, some of the most overwhelming things are right around uh, God's creation. You don't have to necessarily spend money to find contentedness. It's just a matter of opening our eyes. So it's stopping, it's celebrating, it's ceasing. It's finding our completeness in Christ. Um, in conclusion, I, I want to just tell you this. If I were to teach you how to throw a curveball, it, it would take some work. I mean, I could tell you the hand position. I could tell you where the seams need to be. I could tell you how to break your wrist. I mean, I could do all of those things, but it would still take you work. If, if you were to teach me, uh, some of you, if you were to teach me how to make a creme brulee, I don't know how to spell it, but I think I just said it right. If you were, if you were to teach me how to make a creme brulee, I'm not that savvy in the kitchen, I could do it, but I would have to work at it. If, if you were to teach me how to do your job, I, I may or may not be able to do it, but, but if I were able to do it, I, I would have to work at it. And I believe the same thing can be said of Sabbath. This is not something that just comes natural to us. It's something that we have to really dig into. But when Jesus said, that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. He was telling us some, something so significant, something so powerful. He says, because when you get this right, it allows you an opportunity to, to have community with those in your family and those outside of your family. You're creating an opportunity where you, you can just allow fun to happen. Hey, when, when you create and allow the, the Sabbath to, to happen, 
all of a sudden you have, you have built in some relational boundaries with your kids. You've helped build and, and just to help them to respect authority and the authority that God has over us. And, but what you've done, even by creating this, this rhythm, finding rest and rhythm in the Sabbath, what you've done is you've made the first four talks of this series happen. But this is the testing point. But wouldn't it be amazing, wouldn't it be amazing if a year from right now that you could think back to this day, that this, this would be a catalytic day for you, that you'd be able to come back to this day and say, you know what, I made changes on this day and I've had the best year of my life. I, I made changes on this day and I finally had the, I felt like I finally had the attention of my kids. Wouldn't it be amazing on this day if you were to sit back and say, you know what, it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing to do, but when I made that decision, I, it just, I felt empowered to tell my boss no. I became a better employee on the days that I was there because I wanted to be there, because I knew that the Sabbath was coming. What if today could be your catalytic day? I believe it could be. I believe if we will settle in, we apply the Sabbath, as Jesus said, and we, we stop whatever it is for amount of time that he wants us to, that it would give us an opportunity to turn up our attention to him. And all of a sudden, your life gets better, your lives of, of your family members gets better, your influence gets better, you have more margin, and you finally start enjoying life again and it can happen today would you pray with me god i thank you for this day i thank you god that you are so loving and to think that on that day that the pharisees thought that they had jesus stumped that he turned that around with a righteous anger. And Lord, he taught us something so significant about ourselves. That ultimately, it, it isn't about adding layer upon layer upon layer and baggage upon baggage and rule upon rule to maintain the Sabbath. It's stripping all of that away and stopping, ceasing, finding contentedness in Jesus and celebrating the finished work. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for that finished work that was done on the cross for us.